Good evening, everybody. Let's all stand, and we're going to start off with a word of prayer. Uh, Brother Steve, would you give uh, us more prayer, please? Amen. Let's all take your hymnals. Turn on hymn number 207. Hymn number 207, only a sinner.
be seated.
All right, let's all stand. Take your hymnals and turn to hymn number 248. Hymn number 248, now I belong to Jesus. So I've been telling you that we're going to take a special offering for uh, the kids. I appreciate them coming and singing, and it's been a real blessing. Uh, so when you open your wallet, go past the ones and the fives. Find something with a zero on it, and um, you know, let's show, the, show them that we love them. We're thankful that they came to minister to us. They're going to come and sing, and as they do, we're going to take the offering, okay? So uh, let's have a word of prayer, and then... I'll have the guys come. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your many blessings. Thank you uh, to bring the Wellses to us this week. What a great week it's been. We pray that uh, you would bless this offering, that it would be such to bring honor and glory to you and encourage the young people to continue to serve you with their lives. We love you and we ask these things in your name.
but the scribes and the Pharisees were all gathered round him as a boy in the temple, speaking with such wisdom. They were all amazed what Jesus said, and in the middle of it all, there was Jesus.
All right. Just say thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for letting my kids sing. Um, the offering, that was unexpected and not necessary, but thank you for doing that. Uh, that was, they worked hard, and I appreciate that. I, I like serving with my family, and I'm glad for that. really want to say, man, this week has flown by, and I've enjoyed getting to, to meet a whole bunch of you. And uh, we'll be out of here, and you'll still be right here. It's been encouraging to see people that I met last year still here this year, and uh, Lord willing, we'll see each other again. If not, it'll be heaven, and that'll be a good thing. That'll be a good thing. Brother Metzinger, I want to say thank you again for letting us be here. I, did, I waited until last night to tell him this is our first revival meeting we've ever done. <laughs> but we don't get out a lot. We don't get out a lot, but when we do have the opportunity, we like it. I've done some stewardship stuff, but uh, never a revival meeting, but uh, this has been an opportunity for us, and we're uh, just glad for the opportunity. Uh, y'all have been here every night. Some of y'all go to work really early, work all day, and then come sliding in right on time, and that, that's encouraging. Um, there's uh, Randy. I think he travels about 30 miles or so. That's enough for a lot of people to say it's too far on a Tuesday night, but uh, he's been here every night, and then uh, I think it was Trenton, I think he said. Uh, Trenton, he, he drove to Iowa or something like that, and he worked a little while, and then he came back and made it. I don't even know where he's at, but those guys, uh, there he is right there. Uh, but anyhow, others just like him, I, I appreciate that. I think hopefully tonight will be a help. So in doing this, uh, I don't, like, I've just been honest with you, this is our first one. Uh, so I've not, I've intentionally tried to think, lay this thing out, how can it be a help? So I've tried to think on uh, reviving your heart for both your brides. You know, you've got a bride that sits by you, and you've got the bride, the church. And then on Sunday morning, we just talked about reviving the mighty man, if we could say it that way, reviving the mighty man, reviving faithfulness. Um, Monday night, reviving communication. And then last night, reviving our heart for heaven. But what would, I guess, be the last thing I could preach on that hopefully would be helpful to a church and to people uh, both ways? Um, I think it'd be this right here. Revive my heart to help my pastor. Revive my heart to help my pastor. Because I think when things go well for him, the whole church does well. And so I know that some people at one time might, may have been two feet in and life got busy and maybe they're not so much anymore. And, uh, but I think everybody, because you're here and you've been here every night, has a heart for this thing called the local church. And I know this thing, I know this to be true, that when, when, when he does well, really the whole church does well. Are we okay with that? I don't think there's anybody that doesn't like their preacher here tonight. Every one of y'all hugged on him. So whatever he's dealing with right now, I can tell you it's probably not COVID, so give him a hug when you leave tonight, okay? <laughs> but uh, revive my heart to help the pastor. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Exodus chapter 17. As you're doing so, I look at these young guys down here, and um, I'm glad to see young people. There's, there's, uh, I was able to learn some things from some of these guys down here. I learned that Reed plays baseball, and he came to me after uh, service one night, and he's like, I've got to really know. He says, were you really a catcher? Because you said something about sitting down so you didn't have to run. Were you really a catcher? I said, I was really a catcher in baseball. So apparently he's a catcher as well. So I started giving, I wanted to, I wanted to test the spirits, right? I wanted to see, are you really a catcher? I said, what's one? That's fastball. Said, okay. All right, now I know where we're going. What's two? He said, curveball. And a three? Uh-oh. Slider. And a four, if they've got it. You see that? Change up, change up. And I asked him this right here. I said, what's this one? He looked at me like I'm crazy. He said, I don't know. I don't know that one. I said, that means hit him. 
He said, oh, that's not what we do. We do what's called a double tap. <laughs> he slaps both sides of the legs and things like that. So that's a, that's a real sign. You think, do they use signs like that? Absolutely, they use signs like that. Uh, catchers are awesome. They're the quarterback of the baseball field. Um, but anyhow, all that ends. And, and then you get to pastor, and you take the same mentality. And so like when I approach the pulpit, I, I kind of look around, and I say, your catcher, you're, you call this home plate. This is home plate. Now, as a catcher, you're always checking the dirt to see if it's mud or rock piles and looking at the backstop to see if the ball's going to bounce off of it. You want to know what your pulpit's going to be like? You, know, you show up at some place to preach, and I got a little lectern. That'll throw you for a loop. Um, so you want to know. You want to have a feel for it. Well, you still take the same mentalities a little bit when it comes to being a catcher because I, we still have signs, you know. I, I, our deacons in the church, like, if you got a guy you don't, you don't really know about or something doesn't look right you've got signs for some of your guides it's like you know <laughs> yeah i think i'm kidding there's signs for that watch that one but i've uh, been able to get to know some of y'all and i've enjoyed that exodus 17 and after you found it go ahead and stand for the reading of god's word uh, exodus 17 revive my heart to help the pastor i think when that they do well. Church does well overall. If you're already of the mindset, well, I'm against him, <laughs> we're in trouble. Uh, but hopefully, I think this really would be more of an encouragement and a help to everyone all around. <clears throat> in Exodus 17, in verse number 8, the Bible says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim, and Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men, and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. You could underline that. Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi, for he said, because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Lord, this evening, just want to thank you for the opportunity to preach again. Uh, pray that you help me tonight. Lord, I do, do mean that. I just want to be a help. So pray that you give us a listening ear, a responsive heart. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. to have a good time with y'all, and I think I have, but probably less more of the funnies, probably a little bit more of the serious tonight, but uh, just stick with me though as we move along. I, I think if you'll pay attention, we'll, we'll be okay. Most here are homeschooled, however, from time to time, if you were in public school, they'd have what's called a pep rally. Anybody familiar with a pep rally? Yeah. Oh, good. Everybody, most are familiar with a pep rally. If you were part of a pep rally, there's really one basic idea, and it's, it's to gather all the 
the whole school for one common purpose. It's to uh, energize the group, to rally the people to go against the enemy. And uh, that was a pep rally. I think most are familiar with that. But that's not the only rallies that take place today. You know, the banks are looking for a rally. You don't want it to go the wrong way. So banks are looking for a rally. Wall Streets are looking for a rally. You, you can guarantee that's for sure. And Then there's flags and banners that are often used to r- help rally groups of people, maybe to get the audience excited at a football game. You might have a mascot running through an end zone after a, after a touchdown, you know, running like a chicken with their head cut off with a flag over the top of them, you know what I mean? They'll, they'll do stuff like that, or they'll have one in the stands running around to get people excited and even nations look for a rally. I don't know if you see this from time to time. I know that most people quit watching football, but I think it's just in Americans to want to watch football. So I'm watching football again. But when you see that old flag out there, cover 100 yards, 50 yards by 100 yards, and a big flag like that, that's pretty cool. I like that. That rallies the people. It's gorgeous. But then after, you remember when 9-11 happened, uh, there was that one image of the three firefighters there at the bottom of Ground Zero, and they were, they were lifting the flag. I'm telling you, that energized our nation, didn't it? I'm telling you, there were more flags after 9-11 than, well, 22 years later. I'm just saying there wasn't many out here just a couple of weeks ago. But after 9-11 happened, you saw that one flag and those three firefighters raising that. There was flags everywhere. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that that rallied the nation. There's no doubt about it. The American flag just had a way of being displayed outside of homes. It rallied the people. And you say, well, what's rally mean? It just means this, to gather for a common purpose. There's all kinds of rallies. There's political rallies. uh, There's all of those. Then there's also, listen, if you played baseball like I did and like Reed did, there's also what's known as a rally cap. You know what I mean? You know what a rally cap is? Here's what that means. If you're wearing a rally cap, that means you're getting whooped. You're getting whooped, and you turn that thing uh, about halfway in, you stick it on your head like you're from Oklahoma. Uh, No, maybe not Oklahoma, but uh, I'm just saying, you're wearing a rally cap, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. You do that to try and rally the people. You're trying to rally the people, trying to rally the crowd. There's stories of old glory flying out in front during Civil War, and basically what's happened here is they're in the middle of a battle, and Moses calls this place now Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my flag. And listen, schools and nations aren't the only ones that should rally. Churches should rally as well. Churches certainly should rally. So they were right in the middle of a battle. And it really goes without saying that everyone here tonight at some point faces a battle as well. You're in all kinds of battles. There's financial battles, there's physical battles. Some people have battles in their own home. People that they live with, they're in the middle of a battle. Up to this point, God had brought them through the Red Sea. And then after God brought them through the Red Sea, Miriam started a ladies' choir. Three days into the journey, they ran out of water and they began murmuring and complaining. And Moses, who was the only one that was helping them, they began attacking the only one who was helping So three days into this thing, they're running out of water. They begin murmuring and complaining. Moses is helping. They begin attacking him. When they finally reached water, it was bitter. How did he respond? He takes a tree tree branch and he throws it in there and makes this bitter water sweet. God gives them 12 wells and 70 palm trees. God was very good to them. Please listen to the details. Follow along. Got to hear the backstory to it. In Exodus 16, they run out of food and God met their need once again. He gives them manna from heaven, and then what he does is he, they began murmuring about the manna from heaven, and then God gave them quail. I wrote it in my notes like this. He gave them bread and bird. 
Chick-fil-A every day. They were still griping and complaining about that. The best of the best, God gave them every day, and they were complaining about that. You know what that translates into my mind? You can have the best pastor. You can have the best church. You can have the best music. You can have the best facilities. And some people are still just going to find something to complain about. That's just how it is. It's just in our nature. It's our fallen nature to be sometimes complainers. They run out of water again, and they ask the question, is the Lord among us or not? That's what they said. Basically, prove that God is still with us. Prove that He's still providing by doing it once more. Moses would take the rod and strike the rock, and water would come forth. But just when things were going good, the Bible says in verse number 8, then came Amalek. Then came Amalek. That's how it begins. Who were these Amalekites? You read of them often, and maybe you're familiar with the story how God told Saul to utterly destroy the Amalekites. Saul disobeyed and spared their flock and and their king, and Samuel comes in there and basically finishes the job. Amalek was the grandson of Esau. So there's this family animosity that's going on because he's the rival twin of Jacob. They were nomads. And, uh, these guys weren't uh, out in the desert. These weren't tour guides, you know what I mean? These weren't travel agents trying, here, how can I help you get where you're going? The Amalekites weren't that at all. They were people out there preying on weak people. They robbed weak people just to make a living. So the Amalekites get word that the, that the Israelites are traveling across the desert. And in their mind, they had to think, well, this is an easy target. They just left Egypt. They've got all these women and children, about three, I'm just saying, if I'm in their position, I'm not going to attack three million people because three million weak people might whoop me. You know what I'm saying? But in their mind, they do it anyhow. So the Amalekites get word of the Israelites traveling across the desert. And in their mind, they probably think this is an easy target. We're honest, the Israelites, these aren't exactly Navy SEALs. You know what I mean? They're, they're not. They just come out, they are slaves, and they attacked them right after a really a good day. Uh, things had been well, they just got water. The Bible says, then came Amalek. You know what that means? Here's what that means, that as good as things were going, then came the enemy. And I know this, my friend, uh, after tonight is over, then comes Thursday. Then comes the enemy. As well as things have gone, then comes the enemy. And that's what's happening up to this point. Why would they attack them? Well, we know this. There was gold, so they had some, they had some I guess, some monetary substance. They had some gold. They just left Egypt. So they had all these things that Israel had given them. But then they also had water as well. They had, they had something that the Amalekites wanted, namely probably gold and some water, things like that. The enemy attacked, and listen, there was no time for them to train or anything like that. There was no time for them to hey, say, hey, I want to run this group through boot camp real quick, give you six weeks of training in order to respond. You know what I'm saying? That's not how they were. These weren't military people. These were bricklayers and uh, masons and things of that nature. These were, these were making bricks in Egypt. These, these guys weren't uh, military-grade people. Then came Amalek. Verse number 9, it continues. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So I'm going to need a little help with this. Here's what he tells us. Moses says, I'm going to go stand at the top. He says, I'm going to go stand with this rod. So I found the best thing I could uh, come up with. In fact, Lalo, uh, we're going to blame this on him. 
This is our rod tonight, okay? This is, this is actually, what is this? Pinch bar. That's what it's called, pinch bar. I need a Moses. I need Caleb. I promise you're not going to throw it at anybody or hurt anything. You're going to be Moses, okay? And this is going to be the rod. Can you hold that for me? Please don't hurt yourself. <laughs> Stay right there. But the Bible tells us that he was going to go up. You need to come up. Up on the hill. Yeah, he's going to go up on the hill. Maybe just right over here on the hill. Right there. Perfect. And then he said he was also going to put his hands in the air as well. Put his hands in the air. You can do that, right? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, perfect. He was going to go up there and he was going to put his hands in the air with this rod, but I think he probably did it single-handedly. But we'll let you use both hands, okay? So he's going to go up there and he's going to put his hands in the air. Now, the, what was unique about the rod, uh, after studying Psalm 23, is this right here. There was a difference between the rod and the staff. The staff would be used to maybe grab a sheep by the neck and things of that nature, but the rod was different. The rod represented God's power and God's authority. The rod was used several times already during the plagues. Remember when he would smite the water and things like that, and he would part with the Red Sea, he would go up to the Red Sea, he would lift the rod and he would part the sea. That was the rod. There's a difference between a rod and the staff. So this rod was different. It represented God's power and his authority. So this rod, what I learned was this about Psalm 23, the rod was also used as a defensive mechanism. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, there's a difference between the rod, pick your hands up, the Amalekites are coming. Okay, we're going to lose the battle here. <laughs> so the uh, rod was used for a weapon as well. The shepherd could take the rod, and it's just how I relate. Please don't be offended by this. I'm half Hispanic, but it just is what it is. Uh, Hispanics, the Hispanic mom sometimes, they would use this thing called a chancla. Oh, really? Y'all know what that is. That's where mom would take the shoe off, and it doesn't matter where it, I mean, tell you, they pow, right? Well, the shepherd would do something similar with the rod, because he could take that thing, and he could pull it off, or he'd pull it out from somewhere, like a chunkla, and he'd nail a coyote or a wolf or something like that. That's what the rod would do for the shepherd. So the rod was unique in that it represented God's power and his authority. It was, it was very different. It was very different from the staff. So he, he's holding his hands up in the air, and over a period of time, it's getting heavy. Come on, they're coming. <laughs> they're coming. Now, we got to use him because at this time, Moses is about 80 years old, and he's up there for a really long time, and we don't have all night. We gotta get the, so we've got to bring it down to scale, right? So he's up there. He's about 80 years old. I didn't want to grab an 80-year-old tonight, so just be glad it's Caleb, okay? <laughs> so this, this rod, he's holding it, and the Bible tells us that his hands were heavy. It was heavy, and that they certainly were. In verse number 9, it continues. So, uh, if I, you want me to read real slow? No. <laughs> all right, so... God mentions three men. He mentions uh, Joshua, Aaron, and Hur. In verse number 10, Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. Hey, buddy. There. Okay. And fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. It came to pass when Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. That's how it went. Hands come down. 
No, 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 no. You're doing great. You're doing great. Let's switch it now. You're awesome. Did that help? <laughs> great. When his hands were high, they prevailed. And when they were falling, yeah, you're, I can see you're struggling right there. All right, uh, uh, give me some help. Well, the young man in the glasses and the reed, come up here. Help. You're going to be uh, Aaron and her, okay? Help him out here. He's struggling. Uh, I was waiting, trying to get to this, but I think he needs a little help right now. There you go. Help him out. Yeah, help him out. Don't. No, don't touch the rod. Don't touch the rod. Just help him. Yeah, there you go. Stayed up his hands. That better? Probably. A lot. A lot better. Probably a lot better. Probably a lot better. Verse 12, the Bible says Moses' hands were heavy. And you could see how they could become heavy. If you've been in class, you public schoolers, you homeschoolers know nothing about this. But back in the day, we used to have this thing called manners. And we have to raise our hand to talk, right? Not that homeschoolers don't have manners. I'm just saying, you've never raised your hand in your house at the kitchen table while you're homeschooling. We have to raise our hand. We do something like this. We'd be like, we'd be like, please, please, call on me. Because, hey, come on, what's your name? Micah, you're Aaron today. Up, yeah, yeah, help him out there. There you go, good. My, how I feel is you want to see a church do well, you help the man who's out front, help God's man. There's an expression that goes like this, many hands make light work. Many hands make light work. We know that to be true. Listen, when you send your kids to go do something, if you're telling them to do the dishes, you might say one washes and one dries. Do the laundry, you, you fold them, I'll put them up, something like that. We just know two are better than one, right? Would you agree with that? Uh, two are better than one. Yet I'm, I'm just being honest with you. Listen, uh, you're, you're, he's done it a lot longer than I have, but this I do know. This can be a heavy work. Sometimes. I'm talking about a heavy, heavy load to bear. Sometimes there's people to visit. I thought about listing out all these things and hanging them up there. But if you listen quick, there's people, there's guests to be followed up on. There's uh, people in the hospital to be sick, that are sick and need visits. There's all the activities of the church that need to be overseen. There's uh, every, there's the, the music and there's the bulletin and there's all the bills and the insurance and uh, oh yeah your roof just fell in i'm just saying there's all kinds of things that make for a really heavy work outside of other things that are even more serious than that and when i say more serious than that listen i'm telling you the truth uh, listen in our church bless her soul there's a lady that lives right down the road from me she's a member of our church her name is susan ruprecht her husband she lost her husband pretty unexpectedly uh pretty early about 60 i call that young she lost her husband she also had her son-in-law and daughter who lived with her, and he took his own life in their backyard. I'm telling you, heavy stuff. Heavy stuff. How do you help people through some of those things? That's, that's heavy work. And then there's some times where, um, if I'm just being honest with you, I've had one situation where I just thought, man, this is a heavy thing I'm carrying. It was some, someone misbehaved and... It was a mess. Church people knew about it. And I thought to myself, mercy alive. How's everybody going to respond? One preacher told me this. He said, Harold, if you didn't do it, don't let it rob your joy. It's all I could, t- all I could think of. 
We made it through it, but I'm telling you, during that time, it was heavy. Moses, you okay? Get him up. The enemy's coming. Okay, let me skip one page, okay? <laughs> so, Caleb won't be able to write tomorrow. He gets the day off from school. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but how do you help the man who's such under, under such heavy pressure? Well, the Bible tells us they did a couple things. In verse number 12, the Bible said his hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. So you're going to have to do it by yourself while these guys get this stone behind you. You got it, Caleb? You okay? All right, grab it. All right, guys, grab, his, grab the stone. Bring it behind him. All right, have a seat there, buddy. That better? Yeah, <laughs> you should see his head. Move out front. They got to see this. I can't carry you. There you go. That's better. Listen, no pastor's really looking for a lazy boy. He's just wanting some help to make hard jobs a little easier. Make hard jobs just a little bit easier. Why? So that he can keep the main thing the main thing. There's some pastors that I know and he knows. I'm telling you, they mow the yard. They lead the singing. They do everything in the church, top to bottom, top to bottom. You can work just to make a hard job just a little bit easier. The Bible also says that Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands in verse number 12. Uh, you guys weren't supposed to show up until this time, but Aaron and Hur show up. And they were helping to share the burden. These guys, listen, what I love about this is these guys come over there and be like, hey, Moses, you didn't get the yard done this week. <laughs> or they can say, Moses, why, why didn't this get done around the church? These guys come over right close. And they begin helping. They were, they were sharing in this burden. They weren't, hey, listen, they weren't being a burden. They were helping with the burden. That's what they were doing. That's what they were doing. There's a, an obituary I want to read. It's called The Death of Someone Else. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but uh, I wanted to share it with you. Problem is, we're always looking for someone else to go stand by his side and help share the burden. It's called The Obituary of Someone Else. Our church, member was, our church was saddened to learn this week of the death of one of our most valued members, someone else. Someone's passing created a vacancy that will be difficult to fill. Else has been with us for many years, and for every one of those years, someone else did far more than normal, uh, more than a normal person's share of the work. Whenever there was a job to do, a class to teach, or a meeting to attend, there was one name on everyone's list, let someone else do it. Whenever leadership was mentioned, this wonderful person was looked to for inspiration as well as results. Someone else can work with that group. Someone else can work with that group. It was common knowledge that someone else was amongst the most liberal givers in our church. Whenever there was a financial need, everyone just assumed someone else would make up the difference. Someone else was a wonderful person, sometimes appearing superhuman. Were the truth known, everybody expected too much of someone else. Now someone else is gone. We wonder what we are going to do. Someone else left a wonderful example to follow, but who's going to follow it? Who is going to do the things someone else did? Listen, it just goes on to say, when you're asked to help, remember, you can't depend on someone else. 
What I love about this, these two guys that come over and stand by Mo Moses' side is they just left a group of people that were griping and complaining about Moses. Two guys were willing to say, hey, that's God's man, and I'm going to go over there and I'm going to help him with that. I'm going to help him with that. But in verse 12, it says that his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So when the job was over, they stayed there. They stayed there the whole time until the job was over. They stayed close to him. They didn't get distracted. They didn't let his hands down or anything like that. They, they were faithful, and they were loyal, and they were dependable. I, I, was, I won't mention his name, but I, we were here one night, and man, I'm telling you, they left when he left, and I said, man, you may be, you're kind of one of those little faithful guys around here. You guys just smiles. I'm telling you, you can't have enough good men in the church like that. You just can't. You just can't. Listen, can I be really honest with you? Uh, when you want to be close to your pastor, the devil's going to work overtime to destroy that relationship. So very true. So very true. I know that to be true. I'll, be, I'll go further than that. Hey, listen, there are no pastor, no pastor should have favorites, but people kind of assume that a pastor has favorites in the church, like maybe they would assume this is Moses, Aaron, and her. He's got to be his favorites. No, that's not true. That's not true. Here's how I answer that. Here's how I answer that. The ones that appear to be favorites are not the favorites. So they're, just, they're just the ones who want to be closest to the work. And as he's in the work, it's natural just to communicate and be close to those that are involved in the work. There are no favorites. What it is is just some people are closer to the work. That's it. That's it. That's it. There are no favorites. But Aaron and her come over. And they help. You just, I guess what I'm saying is this right here. You get close to him. Now, I, I recognize it already happened. That's a hugging church. <laughs> it's a hugging church. But I'm just saying this right here. Um, I, appreciate, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be here and all the, some of the kind comments, things of that nature. But listen, I'm leaving. That man's going to be here. You get close. You get close to him. You get close to him. Here's what I've noticed. Sometimes men want to be involved. Sometimes men want to be involved, but it's not always the man's fault. Sometimes a wife, I'm going to be really honest with you, sometimes a wife doesn't want her man that involved. Please listen. You'd much rather your man be involved mowing the grass on Saturday morning than at the bar on Saturday night. You can guarantee you'd much rather see him involved in the local church right next to God's man than somewhere else on Thursday night, all night. You know what I'm saying? This. You get close to him. You get close to him. Your preacher will know. Listen, you, you don't have to, like, put a banner on. You don't even have to walk up to him and announce it. You don't have to, after service, you don't have to come up to him and say, you know what, you know what preacher, I've decided to make some personal changes in my life, and I've, just, I've decided to identify as a her. Wait, that don't fly today, does it? <laughs> <laughs> he'll know I tell guys this at church I say uh, there's one guy here recently the buddy I've noticed you've just kind of been hanging around a little bit longer I appreciate that yeah. just kind of asking some questions what, anything I can do to help guy used to shoot out the door pretty quick now he just hangs around a little bit longer a little bit longer a little bit longer I'm telling you we need a whole lot more men just like Aaron and her you don't have to announce it. I'm telling you, he'll figure it out. He'll figure it out. You want to help the church? I'm telling you, you help God's man. You help God's man. Were you once close? I'm just saying, close the distance. Close the distance. Boy, I really struggled with saying this, but I, man, you just had fun with y'all all week, so I feel like I can just be honest with you and just bare my heart a little bit. 
You guys okay over there? Okay. Only got about 30 more minutes. <laughs> no, no preacher really um, wants recognition. They don't want the pat on the back or anything like that. They just rather not have it. But this is what I learned about being in the secular work, workplace. If a secular world will go, to, go out of its way to recognize lost people, how much more should the local church and its pastor? Does that make sense? No? I worked for a company, and we'd have anniversaries, and they'd, they'd give you a gift. They'd say, hey, we, this so-and-so just made 10 years. I made 10 years. They gave me a little something, this and that. And I'm just saying, I can't put feet on this thing. I would never tell you what to do. But I'm just saying, hey, listen, if a secular world out there recognizes lost people, how much more should the local church God's man. You want to encourage him? You want to see ministry continue and thrive? Tell him you get, get right beside him. I'm going, to, I'm going to help with this thing. I'm going to help share the load. I'm going to carry the burden. I'm going to help with the burden, not be the burden. Listen, I say this, I guess, in closing just because I mean it. You guys got a good pastor. You guys got to have like a, more of a, a mom and dad and a pastor. But then I'll go further than that. You guys just don't have a pastor. You guys got a wonderful pastor's wife as well. You got a wonderful one. Uh, your pastor's wife is pretty unique. And that's pretty uncommon. You want to help? Get involved in all those little things that you think everyone else should be involved in. Thanksgiving dinners and Christmas banquets and the kids' choir and all those different things that you just go, wow, it just comes together and they do it. It's so great. Well, I'm telling you, it's a heavy load. Somebody's got to help with it. I don't know if it's been a help to you, but uh, uh, I do know this. Pastoring after 33 years, it's been a long time to carry a load. Help carry the load. Help carry the burden. Don't be the burden. Lord, tonight, I pray that you'd uh, revive our hearts to help in this area of the ministry. How do we want to see a church go forward? Really, I do believe it's just encourage uh, those in the leadership, God's man, his wife, I want to thank you for him and the ministry you put together here. Lord, as it goes forward, God, I pray that you have your hand upon it. Lord, I know this, that men sometimes were close, and then yet there's distance. They drift to the side, and they're distracted by other things. I pray tonight, Lord, that maybe you just, maybe just put it on their hearts. Come by and just tell their pastor, hey, I want to be back involved in this thing. I want to be just as dependable as I once was. Maybe one wants to be. They don't have to, hang up, they don't have, to have a sign on their forehead. The preacher will figure it out. I pray that you help this church as they go forward. Help them carry the burden. Help them carry the load. We'll certainly thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand with me for a verse of invitation. If God's spoken to your heart, I encourage you to come to an altar. I'm not trying to make it awkward. I'm just trying to make it weird. Yeah, preacher standing up here at the front. And you just want to come by and say thanks. This invitation's for you. I do mean this. It's a pretty unique church that you have here. Pretty unique pastor. Pretty unique work. But I know all these things that happen right here, listen, that don't, it doesn't happen by accident. It takes a whole bunch of people right by his side making this thing called ministry work. God spoken to your heart. This invitation's for you. Guys, thank you.
praying for them and they'll leave out tomorrow uh, headed back to Red Oak and uh, they have to go through dreaded Dallas and so if you pray for them as they travel um, and then just remind you we're going to be here Sunday and uh, hopefully uh, we'll uh, be able to see some great things great results in our lives and our actions result of the revival and then that we'll see people here visiting and see souls saved as a result. You've been very good to attend this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I trust it's been a blessing. Let's go to the Lord in word of prayer. Brother Gus, would you mind coming up? <coughs> Pray for Gus and Allie and little Aiden. They're going to hit the road on Saturday, and uh, they're going to a missions conference on a couple of days. Tomorrow we're going to get after it in here. They're going to pray the city and uh, work on the wall here and, uh, so uh, but you pray for them as they travel just gotten where well, i really appreciate like move in and be here all the time that'd be right but uh okay heavenly father lord we just thank you for allowing us the privilege to come here tonight lord word open and founded upon and lord as lord you spoke to hearts during this time lord that our hearts have been Revived for our love, love for your word and our love for challenged. Blessing. Lord, to stand in the way, pray for their thoughts, 
church and all that.